0: You're listening to A Stranger Podcast, www.thestranger.com.
1: If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual harmony,
2: well, there's nothing you can't ask on the Savage Podcast. So last night I checked into the Peabody Hotel in downtown Memphis, Alabama, Memphis, where is Memphis? <laughs> Memphis, Nevada, where the fuck is Memphis? Tennessee! Memphis, Tennessee, where I'm going to be appearing at Rhodes College this week and doing a QA and a and MTV is going to be filming it, and I'm on the road, which means I'm not with the tech-savvy at-risk youth right now. They are in one place and I am in another, and it's really weird to record the podcast all by myself without somebody in the room uh, rolling their eyes and making faces and giving me the, all right, already, hurry up, shut up sign. Uh, So I've invited Lucy to join me. Uh, Lucy is working on uh, Savage U, which is the show I'm filming for MTV. Uh, I wish I was out there in the streets getting arrested with the revolutionaries. I'm with the 99%. I sent 20 dozen donuts to the
3: uh,
2: folks occupying Westlake, which is where the occupation is happening in Seattle. Uh, And I'm 100% on your side, even though after checking into the Peabody, I kind of feel like I'm in the 1%. Will you describe the room that they put me in? Um,
3: It is a cave. It terrifies me. Um, Dan has two floors.
2: I am in a duplex.
3: Yeah, a duplex for with real. With a,
2: a, a living room with a, with a two-story, it's huge, a cathedral, tall windows.
3: Yeah, cathedral ceiling thing.
2: Have you ever seen the movie Rebecca, the Hitchcock movie? <laughs> yes. It's like Mandalay. <laughs> the, the, my, if my hotel room would look perfect if it was on fire, if the curtains were burning.
3: I can make that happen. Could you? Yeah.
2: Lucy makes things happen for me. <laughs> That's her job. Just give, give the, give the folks out there your job description. My job
3: description? Well, I'm PA, but technically I'm your assistant. So I make sure you're fed and smiling and clean. <laughs>
2: you get me groceries. Yes. You do my laundry. Yes. And you don't fuck me. Yes. So basically you're my wife. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to l- rely on the wife cliche. Uh, it's really nice for you to sit in on the podcast.
3: Oh, I'm delighted to. Uh,
2: because otherwise I'd be all
3: alone. It'd and be I'd so be doing weird. your laundry. And so. you'd
2: be <laughs> doing... Laundry. Well, you could do my laundry after we record the podcast. No, I know. That would be nice. <laughs> after, as soon as we're done, I'm going to hand you a big bag of dirty <laughs> underwear. Uh, so, you for answering some questions? Yeah. Have you ever listened to the podcast? Be honest. No. Okay, well, you're in for it. Because really? Because I lined up some questions. You know, I thought... After you agreed to do it, that maybe we should take it easy and answer some Whoa. softballs. But we're all over the place. We've got some scalding, skid-marking questions for you. I hope you're uh, braced for this. I'm pumped, but just not by me because you're my wife. <laughs> Your calls after this. This episode is brought to you by AdamAndEve.com, where you can find over 18,000 adult entertainment products for every lifestyle. To receive 50% off most any item, plus three adult DVDs, plus an extra gift, plus free shipping, visit AdamandEve.com and enter SAVAGE at checkout.
4: Um, hi, Dan. Um, I'm a 17-year-old uh, gay female. Um, and when I was really little, my dad passed away. Um, I, I mean, at this point, I'm totally over it, pretty much. I mean, it's been, like, almost 15 years at this point. but. Um, before I came out to my mom, I I kind of had a feeling that that this would be you know the big thing that she kind of jumps to when I tell her that I'm gay. It's, oh,
5: you know, it's probably because you lost your dad or something
4: like. And of course that's the first thing that she said because um I don't know I think I guess she 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 didn't see it coming and so she just assumes that that uh if I if I lost some kind of like male role model or male presence that you know now as a as a as like a near adult, that I feel like I have to embody some kind of masculinity, which is not true,
5: like I do not feel like I need to be masculine i it's not at all how i feel
4: um, I mean a lot of people in my family are in the field of psychology and social work, and they all seem to think that there are all these i mean i don't'm not doubting psychology, but they all say you know when you're young, things affect you and and if you experience a trauma, it can affect other parts of your life. And I, I really hate when you know I'm put under the magnifying glass and saying, let's 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 try to narrow down, sort through your life, and see what the hell happened that you know made you gay. Is there? Is that even true? I mean, I just basically is it bullshit, or should I say maybe you know maybe there's some truth in that? I really don't think so, but it's kind of like instill this. Almost like a paranoia, like whenever someone finds out that either that I'm gay first and then they find out my dad died or the other way around, I'm just like, ooh, they're they're probably trying to draw some kind of connection between those two things. But I really don't, I don't feel like there's a connection.
2: This is complete bullshit, what your mother is uh, laying on you. And uh, you need to tell her so. You know, five minutes on the Google, which I assume that you have access to and certainly your mother should have access to, five minutes on the Google... American Psychological Association, no findings have emerged that permit scientists to conclude that sexual orientation is determined by any particular factor or factors. And the American Psychiatric Association, in 2000, fact sheet on gay, lesbian, bisexual issues says that no specific psychosocial or family dynamic cause for homosexuality has been identified, period. The end. Your father's death did not make you a lesbian. If you know dad dropping dead made little girls lesbians where do the little girls who are lesbians whose dads aren't dead come from that's the problem with this this line of bs what they argue usually is that for gay guys is that oh when you were little boys you had a weird or distant relationship with your father and now as an adult you're seeking that male attention and approval that you didn't get when you were a child by sucking dudes off right (sighs) Uh, And the problem with that is, you know, for every gay guy out there who did have a strained relationship with his father, there are gay guys out there who had great relationships with their fathers. I had a strained relationship with my father when I was young. Uh, It didn't cause my gayness. My gayness was the reason our relationship was strained. I was a little gay boy, and that was very awkward for my father and I, and that caused the distance. The distance didn't cause the gayness. And on the flip side, my husband, Harry, had a great relationship with his father. So if this is the cause, how come it doesn't always work? How come it really doesn't really ever work? I don't know what your mother's problem is, but your mom, the shrink, needs to see a shrink Mm -hmm. because she has some discomfort. She has some homophobia. She's rooting through your childhood looking for an explanation, uh, something to pin the blame on because...
3: and that's not her. And so that's right. why she's putting it on your dad. I think, I think she's terrified, actually, that she's done something to create your homosexuality. And so pinning it on your dead dad.
2: Who can't defend himself.
3: <laughs> Correct. And, and
2: what that, you know, but there's no blame to pin. That's no. ultimately the problem. And so your mother, by you know, externalizing this internal conflict, is she just saying that she perhaps feels responsible somehow? Mm-hmm. And so she's blaming your father for the sin of dropping fucking dead. And here's what you need to say to your mother. You need to say, Mom... There's this thing called Google. Would you please Google homosexuality causes for five minutes? You might also want to buy a copy of Gay Straight and the reason why, The Science of Sexual Orientation by Simon LeVay. You might want to buy ten copies. And the next ten times your mother brings this bullshit about your dead dad up, you hand her a fresh, brand new copy of this book. (laughs) And the tenth time, you beat her over the head with the book if she hasn't read it yet. Stop allowing your mother to lay blame for something that there is no fault in. There's no blame to lay. No one has, and no one did anything wrong. You haven't done anything wrong. She didn't do anything wrong. Your father didn't do anything wrong when he passed away. You are not unhealthy. Uh, your mother is sick. <laughs> she really is. Like, she has a sick obsession with trying to figure out where you went wrong, where your family went wrong, what could have caused this horrible calamity as if everybody is you know default straight until you get hit by a meteorite in your childhood and then suddenly you're gay and we just know now that that is not the way sexual orientation works and your mother and all the shrinks in your family and if you've got a family full of shrinks and they're all doing this they all believe this you have a family full of quacks you have a family full of people who should have their licenses <laughs> yanked from them. This is now regarded by every professional psychological and psychiatric organization in the country as malpractice. Mm-hmm. When they root around, when they psychoanalyze a gay person to try to find the cause. Nobody believes this bullshit anymore. And least of all you as a young lesbian, uh, don't don't succumb to this horseshit that your family is trying to sell you. And uh, buy a copy of Simon LeVay's book for your mom next time she brings it up. Hit her over the head with it.
0: (laughs) Hi, Dan. Um, My name is Heather, and I have a really close friend who um, has been off again, on again with this guy, and he has been um, emotionally abusive to her and um, sometimes even physically abusive. It's kind of gotten in the way of our friendship because um, I'm usually the one she comes to and cries to when he is, uh, you know, manipulating her or breaking up with her and then they get back together and she wants me to be fully supportive of their relationship um so i've kind of when things aren't going well i'm sorry when things are going well with them i kind of tend to pull away kind of consciously and subconsciously um and she's noticed that and kind of come down on me for being a bad friend for not being there um when they're together and so I guess my question is, you know, what is the right thing to do? Do I just support her through her crappy relationship um, decisions? What do you, uh, I guess I, I would wonder? What What do you do in your personal life, or maybe you just don't have friends that make horrible decisions about relationships? So what happens when you give really good advice, and uh, your friend is like glutton for punishment? Do you just stand by them and roll your eyes, or you know, some safe distance, or You know, it's none
3: of your damn business, so forget about it. I don't know. I need your help.
2: Okay, Lucy, you were kind of rolling your eyes and (laughs) pulling faces. What was that about?
3: Oh, Heather, I was your friend in college. You were? I'm so sorry.
2: (laughs) You were in an an abusive relationship that you plagued your friends about?
3: Oh, for years. For, really? Yeah. For I find years. that hard to
2: imagine. You seem so smart and pulled together.
3: Well, you need to be abused first. <laughs> <laughs> no, wow,
2: I guess I'm in trouble. I've never been in a really abusive relationship. <laughs> no. I better get on the stick.
6: No. T- Terry better up the game at home.
2: <laughs> um so what helped you get out of it? I mean, did you have friends that you went to and just poured your heart out to over and over again until they were sick of hearing about it? Oh
3: yeah. It? Their little eyes would go blank and I'd say, Oh, listen to this and it would be an all day, everyday play-by-play play of me and the boyfriend da, 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 oh
2: da, my da. god and I, when did you realize it just that he wasn't worth the drama what oh, helped you get out of it? what that?
3: helped me get out well I had to uh, basically your friend doesn't want your advice nothing you say will make her change nothing you say will make her break up with this guy she needs to wake up and just realize it and that's what happened to me I woke up one day looked at this guy and thought Oh fuck you! <laughs> I'm like, so done with it. So what do you what do you
2: what do you think a friends' responsibility in that situation? Is when the you know you watch somebody somebody you like, someone you want to be supportive of, stick their fucking hand on the scalding hot stove over and over mm-hmm. and over again. How long are you required to stand there? with the back teen and the and the (laughs) band-aid before you say stop fucking putting your hand on that goddamn stove and expecting it not to burn
3: well i feel like i nobody ever really said that to me
2: would it have helped and i feel like
3: and i feel like i was i was babied a lot and even we had a lot of the same friends so it was like oh it's it'll be okay it'll be okay and i feel like you need to say it say what (laughs) say get away from this dude you he's bad news he's bad news for me listening to it is bad news for you it's and not gonna to get stop. better nope.
2: and i think you have a right to say to your friend when she says
3: you're not being deported enough of
2: my like shitty abusive relationship oh. you can say i'm not going to support this i'm not going to support you in this because it, this is a mistake and he's an asshole and i'm done with the drama mm-hmm. and i think i think it helps and i've been in situations like this with friends who had similar drama where i've just said you know what i think We've talked about this before. I'm done. This is no longer a topic of discussion. Correct. You can predict what I'm going to say right now. I'm going to say, "Dump this motherfucker already. He's bad news. He's a piece of shit." And that if you don't dump him, you are choosing this. And and I'm not talking about people who are in like who are psychologically been manipulated right. into like horrifying like decades of abuse-style relationships where there's no way out and they're mm-hmm. isolated. I don't think you should isolate your friend. I no. think you should continue to see her because that's one of the ways a real abuser ultimately wins is when they f- the, the person they're abusing the victim they've picked off doesn't have friends they can go to doesn't have one they can rely on you should keep those lines of communication open you should tell your friend always going to be there for you when you're ready to break up with him I am I am there with the box oh, yeah. I will help you pack your shit in the meantime let's go to the movies let's have dinner let's talk about something else
3: let's meet a new boy
2: let's meet some new boys but yeah. every time she brings him up you should just look at her and go break up with him break up with him break yep. up with him Break yep. up with him. He's a piece of shit. Break up with him. You're a fool. He's a piece of shit. Break mm-hmm. up with him. Don't be a fool. And I'm not going to listen to this bullshit. No. Anymore.
3: Support your friend. Don't support the relationship.
2: Good distinction. Yeah. And you speak from experience. So do, did you ever say to your friends when you got out of this, why didn't you tell me <laughs> yeah. to break up with this motherfucker? <laughs> what did they say?
3: I don't, I think they just, either they didn't think it was as bad as it was, or they just knew that I had gone sort of blank and that there wasn't anything that they could do. So it was like, we might as well all just smile and go along with it. So, I love you friends, <laughs> but I wish we could turn back time.
2: Uh, have you been in a relationship since this one ended? Because you're relatively young.
3: Uh, No. No? But it wasn't that that long ago either.
2: Are you taking a, a, a break from Dick? And <laughs> Not and from Dick.
3: <laughs> Not from Dick, but from Dick's, yeah.
2: Looking to spice things up in the bedroom? Fantasizing about surprising your lover with an adventurous new toy or adult movie? Well, here's an offer you won't be able to resist. Go to adamandeve.com for a limited time only. You'll get 50% off just about any item. And that's not all. There's more. You'll also receive three free adult DVDs plus a free extra gift plus free shipping on your entire order. Check out adamandeve.com today for this special offer. That's adamandeve.com and enter savage at checkout.
5: Hi Dan, I'm a 27 year old straight female in a wonderful, loving relationship um, with a very manly, very alpha male type of guy, um, and we have a beautiful relationship, wonderful, wonderful sex life. Except that um, very rarely, but uh, you know, maybe like once or twice a month, he'll have trouble getting or staying hard, um, and it isn't a really big deal. Um, it doesn't happen so often that I find it frustrating. You know, I usually say it's okay baby we can just cuddle we can just hold each other it's fine um i'm trying to be as supportive and understanding as i can and reassure him that it doesn't make him any less hot to me or any less manly or anything like that but he gets really really upset um and i just sort of feel like i'm not not saying the right things or, or not being supportive enough um and he usually counters with uh, you know, you don't you don't know, you don't know what it's like and I don't know what it's like, um, to have a dick and it not work when you want it to. It must be super frustrating. Um, but I I just wanna be supportive and and help him and I don't know if there's a magical phrase guys need to hear that isn't in my repertoire. Um tell him I love him, I I you know and again this isn't so so frequent but it's a big problem, but he just gets so very upset. Um, and it must be insanely frustrating, but I just need some help. All of my guy friends are our mutual friends or coworkers, and so I can't really come to them with this question. So if there's any way that you know that I can continue being supportive, um, I can see us having a bright future together. So in addition to being a supportive girlfriend now, I'd want to be a supportive wife, hopefully. Um, Anyway, any advice you would have for... How to
6: handle
2: this would be really helpful. Oh my god, if you were any more supportive, he would blow his fucking brains out. (laughs) This, oh, he couldn't get an erection, so I tell him I love him, and I I hold him, and we cuddle, and we put a black wreath on the front door (laughs) and go into a period of mourning. Stop it! Here's the magical phrase that you need when he can't get it up. You look him in the eyes, you you gently stroke the back of his head, you grip him by the hair, and you say... Oh, you're, you're, not, you're not hard right now? Then eat my fucking pussy. And you shove his face into your crotch. And you change the subject. His dick isn't hard. His tongue is hard. His forearm is hard. You can keep having sex. You don't have to, like, downshift <laughs> into, like, ritual mourning and rending of clothes and shedding of tears. It's like you're having a little wake for his dick and you bust out this little seven-inch-long casket. and You put his dick in it and light some candles. Stop it! You're doing literally I don't get to say this often you're doing everything wrong your whole approach to his very occasional natural happens to all dudes sometimes it happens to some dudes once a month or so mm-hmm. is 100% wrong what you need to do is change the subject you need to decenter his dick from that that sexual encounter by continuing to have sex. And you may find that if you say, oh, honey, that's too bad. Eat my pussy, because I still want to get off. If you're a little sexually aggressive, a little sexually Mm. selfish in that moment, and you demonstrate to him that he can still please you, even when he can't get it up, you may find that his dick then springs into action when the pressure and the focus is off it.
6: Seriously.
2: But so long as you're like, Holding him and cuddling and crying and putting the black crepe up and busting out the little tiny seven-inch casket and having a funeral for his fucking heart on that he couldn't get up. You're making it worse! You're, like, <laughs> sandpapering the wound! Change well, it's the so subject. Just
3: so much more emasculating. Just sit on his face. Just sit on his face. That He'll is deal with it.
2: Good advice from the woman who took four years to get out of an emotionally abusive relationship. Yeah,
3: I would just sit on his face, and then it would stop. Yeah, just <laughs> sit on it. Yeah.
2: <laughs> you don't have to listen to verbal abuse if, he, if he's being smothered <laughs> if his mouth by is your full. ass. Yeah. You're like, yeah, there is no magical phrase. You know, there's no. All you can say is, literally, it doesn't matter by changing the sexual subject, and. Any, you know, dudes out there, as a dick-having dude myself, this happens to all of us. And at those moments, you don't, like, get spun up. You don't act like a big fucking baby whose toy truck got taken away from him. You say, well, obviously we're not... It's not going to be done with my dick tonight, but I still want to get you off. Let's still have fun. Let's still, like, be intimate and be physical together. And I'm going to, like, finger-bang the shit out of you. I'm going to eat you. I'm going to, like, get you off. And... I, and I'm not saying this because, oh, if you, like, do this, then magically your erection will come back. But no. so often when you do that, when you say, all right, my dick's out of the game, your fucking erection comes back. Because the, the problem is that you're stressing and worrying about it. And dear caller, you're adding to his stress and you're adding to his worry by treating every incident, every time he can't get it up, as a failed sex act that has to be grieved. That's I'm going to hold you. We're going to cry. I need well, a magical then phrase. Well, you anticipate
3: that moment and you get... I would feel like you would get more nervous. Like, oh, God, are we going to have to have the cuddle night again? Oh, my
2: God, it would be horrible.
3: <laughs> it didn't fall off. It's fine. He still has ten fingers and a face. You're fine.
2: Sit on his fucking Sit face. on his face. When, it, when in doubt.
3: <laughs> in all situations. <laughs> sit on his face.
7: Hey, Dan. Uh, I love your shit. You're gorgeous. Um, my name is Andy. I'm a uh, college student straight. Uh, so recently my girlfriend of, uh, four years since high school, um, she goes to college very close to me, a different one. Um, she cheated on me four times with the same guy. Um, she was blackout drunk at the time, or so she says. And she says she doesn't remember, like, any of it. And she remembers, like, flashes or whatever that means. Um, sometimes I feel like I'm not getting the whole story. Um, but anyway, this guy was like one of our best friends. And, um, a couple of weeks ago I took her on vacation with me and she, uh, she, she just like lied to my face about their friendship just being platonic. Um, so, uh, like I wasn't trying to seem controlling or anything. I was worried about the amount of time they were spending with each other, but whatever. Um, so pretty much uh, a couple weeks later, after the vacation, she, she told me that this had happened. And um, she really wanted to be forgiven, and I'm having a tough time forgiving her. I'm getting a lot of things from different people telling me you know, to break up with her or telling me to like find another girl to make her jealous. Um, so I was just looking for what you had to say, Dan.
2: It's over. Yeah. Break up with her. She's 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 broken up with you. She wants out, and she's slamming her hand down on the self-destruct button, on the eject button. Uh, she doesn't have the courage or the decency to end it herself, so she's fucking other dudes and drinking if that's what it takes to give herself the license to do it, and then telling you about it. Uh, and it's 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 fucking over. Just lean back and ask yourself: How many people do you know? How many adult people, people over thirty, married, settled, are with their high school sweethearts? Are with people that they dated mm. in high school? And the answer is zero, or it approaches zero. Um, You're both in college. If you don't dump her, it's going to get worse. She's going to escalate the bad behavior until she forces your hand, because – what she wants is out.
3: Well, and she'll lie bigger. And she's telling you what she's doing so she doesn't have to feel guilty and then so it's like she erases it clean and then she goes and does it again. Right. And then and you feel the er- guilt and the shame and Erases
2: bad. it clean and then blames Budweiser. Oh, yeah. oh, if it wasn't for the beer, you know, I love you. I'm 100% faithful until I dip my big toe in Budweiser yeah. and then I, there's not a dude in North America I won't fuck the shit out of but it's beer's fault. Oh, it's blackout drunk bullshit she got drunk perhaps even blackout drunk uh so that she could
3: bang a dude
2: bang a dude who ain't her high school sweetheart yeah and i I, I don't mean to be cruel like you sound you know especially to a guy who has offered to suck my dick (laughs) i particularly don't like to be cruel to them i just really want you to wake up and smell the over
3: yeah move on you'll find a nice new girl and so will she. Yeah.
2: Or she'll find a nice new or guy. Or whatever.
3: Whatever. Maybe she'll black out. She won't know.
2: And just because she's doing this now doesn't mean she's, you know, some sort of irretrievably damaged or horrifying
3: mm.
2: cunt Like, a lot of people when they're young, they don't want to pull the trigger. They, they regard dumping somebody as such an act of cruelty that they would rather invite being dumped. Yeah. Because... They just don't conceive of themselves as the kind of person who could break someone's heart, so they 'll orchestrate a set of circumstances where they're the dumped one, where also they get to play the victim and they they were the one broken up with, but then they also don't have to be like the vicious breaker upper with which for some people, what are girls is a high bar to clear you know
3: yeah, it's easier to just sleep with someone else
2: and get dumped yeah than to than to just be honest and direct and live with a little integrity and it, it, all that said, you know again, how many people you know? Who are adults who are with their high school sweethearts? This was an inevitability, mm-hmm. or it was inevitable-ish. Yeah, there's a handful of people out there with their high school sweethearts. I guarantee you that those people, their high school sweethearts, were not getting drunk and fucking other dudes, <laughs> the same other dude, four times in a row no. in your absence. So don't like, don't play baby games. Don't fuck some other girls and tell her about it. No, to, so she sees what it feels like to get your revenge. Just. Recognize her behavior for what it is. She wants out. It doesn't sound like you're particularly in love with her anymore. Mm. And don't let this thing roll on just out of inertia. Yeah. It's over.
1: Bye. Hey, Dan. I'm a 23-year-old bent male from Calgary, Alberta. Since a young age, I've enjoyed sexual encounters with both boys and girls. And I think I realized from an early age that being intimate with another human being is special and exciting regardless of their sex. I've gone ahead and rolled around with whoever I wanted since grade 7. The bisexual concept is discussed often on your podcast and comes up plenty in my own life. I don't identify as being bisexual, but I also don't identify as being gay. I'm comfortable calling myself queer, but how I truly feel is bent. Far from straight, not quite gay, but happily fucking bent. I've only been with men for the past few years, and I'm currently in a monogamish relationship with a wonderful gay man who I'm crazy about. At work, college, and at home with my friends and family, I am open about this relationship and cannot be happier with him and the response and support that I've gotten from those that are close to me. As a genuinely bent dude, I've never really felt the need to do a massive coming out. I'm honest with myself and anyone that asks, but most of my extended family live in Montreal, and the last time that I was there, I was sleeping with my ex-girlfriend slash high school sweetheart. I've never felt the need to get on the phone and tell my aunts and uncles I'm with a man now but may not be with just men for the rest of my life. When I first told my parents that I was bent, my father was super supportive, but my mother was, well, she still struggles with the idea that I'm not simply gay. My boyfriend and I spend plenty of time and nights both at his and my parents' homes. But this weekend, my mother's sister is coming into town, and she has asked me not to have him over while she is here. My aunt and I have a good relationship, and I plan on being honest with her the first time that she asks about my love life. I was even hoping to have her meet my boyfriend and was planning on having him stay over Friday night. My mom says that she wants to tell my aunt before she gets here and that she does not want me to make a big deal about it while she is here. She has also said that if I ever plan on being with a woman again, that I should not say anything about being bent to my family. I don't want to distract from their visit, and I can understand that my mom wants to be the one to tell her own sister. I'm even willing to clear out of the house this coming weekend, but I can't help but feel a little hurt. If I am bent, do I need to come out to my extended family that live far away from me, or can I take the opportunities to do this personally as they arise? Should I worry about putting my parents in an awkward position with their families, or am I losing sight of the fact that where I stick my dick really has nothing to do with anyone that isn't in the room? Thanks for your help, Dan.
2: Actually, where you stick your dick does have something to do with people who aren't in the room. Uh, You know, there's a public dimension to sexual orientation. There's who you're with, you know, who you have a relationship with, a long-term relationship with, perhaps a lifelong relationship. And unless you're going to hide that person all your life, that's, you know, that's why people are out. That's why the whole LGBT civil rights movement got started was it was impossible to keep who you're sticking your dick in or who's sticking their dick in you or who you're jamming pussies against private. And it's a standard that straight people couldn't apply to themselves. And with the default assumption of heterosexuality, and that's not an irrational default assumption, the overwhelming majority of people are heterosexual. I meet mean, people, and unless there's some, like, gay going off, my default assumption is they're straight. Who you stick your dick in shouldn't matter, in that people shouldn't discriminate against you. It doesn't impact your ability to be a parent, or a good employee, or whatever. Um, but who you stick your dick in is public info, to a certain extent. And I think you should tell the rest of your extended family all at once perhaps in a you know if you're on the Facebook with all the children uh, and the old people <laughs> just in one big Facebook blast. Uh, you might want to just so the people can wrap their heads around it lean on the term bisexual even though you don't identify as bisexual because it really kind of covers you yeah you know i I, people can identify as whatever they wish to identify as i could you know say i don't like to identify as gay so i identify as rutabaga but (laughs) then i'm gonna have to explain to people what i mean by rutabaga which is essentially gay Mm -hmm. you can identify as bent and then people are gonna go and what does that mean exactly and you're gonna have to go i sleep with men and women and they're gonna go oh bisexual Mm -hmm. it's just like when people you know they identify as queer and then you have to go okay what kind of queer because I, I, there are times I identify as queer Out of allegiance to, you know, this like Sense of wanting to identify with people who are also lesbian Also bi, also trans, also leather fetish To a large extent mm. So I will sometimes use queer, but then it, somebody has to look at me and say What does queer mean to you? Or what kind of queer are you? What brand? What flavor? <laughs> so you can say bent And then people are going to ask the natural Follow-up question If you want to avoid that follow-up question You might want to say, I'm bisexual but I call myself bent Because I've always been more comfortable with that term And then you're done! But your mother does not have the right to manage your coming out to other family members. No,
3: it's like, I like that she's trying to put everything back in the box. Like, she's, oh, it's okay, and have the boyfriend over, and now she's trying to control a situation that she has no right to control. What she's
2: doing is she's just trying to construct a slightly larger, roomier closet for you. Yeah. Where, you know, it's a closet that she fit, she can join you in, that your boyfriend can hang out in. That, and you have to... Recognize that for what it is and reject it. Um, I I think that when you first come out to family, you know, mom and dad, to give them some time to process that info before they have to talk to other people about it. They Mm -hmm. may not be ready to talk to aunts, uncles, brothers, sisters, grandparents uh, in a positive way. Uh, So I think, you know, out of respect, when you're coming out to your parents, you can say, you know, I'm going to wait a few weeks or a few months before I tell anybody else just like so you can think about it, we can talk about it. Uh, But that's a courtesy well, And that's not a requirement. That is that is mm-hmm. a gesture. Mm-hmm. And it's not a courtesy that you owe a parent who freaks out or is an asshole about it. Um, and at a certain point, you need to say to your, you know, you need to withdraw that courtesy um, so that you don't get, you don't wake up one day just in a much larger closet with your parents living there with you. Nobody wants to live in the closet. <laughs> and nobody wants to live in the closet with mom and dad. Uh...
3: Well, and think about your boyfriend, too. You don't want to hurt partners down the road. You yeah, don't who, want
2: to. Yeah, if you're potentially long term with this guy, what are you communicating to him if you pack him up and ship him away for a couple days because your fucking aunt is coming to town? <laughs> you're boning this boy in you know, in his parents' house. He's boning you in your parents' house. And suddenly, you've got to go like full on 1950s style homo on we're him.
3: We're roommates. Yeah,
2: we're roommates. And, you know, <laughs> in fact, we're roommates and he's not here right now. I have. He's my imaginary roommate. I can't sodomize him, he doesn't exist bullshit. Be a grown-up, be a bent grown-up, mm. be a bi-grown-up, whatever kind of grown-up identified you want to be, but be a fucking grown-up. And you came out about you know, your pansexuality, your bisexuality, your bent sexuality so that you didn't have to live like this. So you didn't have to contort yourself into this, these ridiculous positions and you didn't have to like game this shit out. Like, oh, what am I going to do? You know, My third cousin twice removed is coming to town. Is my mother comfortable with me being out to him? Like, The reason you're out is to put a stop to this bullshit. You don't have to play these games. Uh, out about being bent, out about being bi, out about being gay, out about being whatever, be out. And, yeah, it matters. People will take a healthy interest in who you're sticking your dick in. And they should, and they have a right to. How you, exactly the circumstances under which you like to stick your dick in them, what's going on in the room besides the dick sticking, that's the private stuff. Who you fuck matters, and there's a public dimension. How you fuck them, how you most enjoy fucking them, whether they fuck you, all that is private. Mm Mm-hmm. Be a grown-up. Be a bent fucking grown-up.
6: Hi, I have a question. Recently, I um, had a little fun with a guy. I'm 23 years old and gay. And uh, we... It was one of those things where... It's something that I would always kind of fantasized about. Um, we were um, in this public area, and we left and went and pulled around. And... um was strictly oral. And after I was, after we were done, um, he stood up, he was sitting on a couch and he stood up and there was a gigantic uh, skid mark shit, basically. Um, And I acted like I didn't notice it, but um, I saw, you know, he obviously noticed it and it wasn't like a tiny little bit. It was like a lot. And I realized, you know, when you're doing with gay sex and all that, you know, that sort of comes to the territory but, um, yeah, we didn't do anything like that, so I don't understand, you know, I don't get it, because he wasn't clean, Well, recently, you know, um, he had asked me if maybe this is something that we want to do more often, and I said maybe, and I mean, he's a really attractive guy, he really is, but that little thing grossed me out so much. Am I being unreasonable, like, that things kind of like that happen, or, um... Is it okay to be as disgusted as I am? Because, I mean, it means it's not clean. Like, ever. Um, okay, thanks, bye.
2: So when you got this gig, did you imagine just a few weeks later you would be fielding questions about... Dudes who leave skid marks on your sofa when you're giving them head. That
3: oh my, God. I'm sorry, I'm too busy crying right now to <laughs> pay attention to you. Has this, <laughs> ever,
2: has this ever happened to you?
3: No. No.
2: You only blow guys who have good personal hygiene. Yeah, I,
3: I wipe their ass first. As part
2: shit-free ass. <laughs>
3: Right? Yeah, that's sort of important to me. That's on my checklist. Like, no Skid Row in my house,
2: please. <laughs> Alarm goes off at seven <laughs> when there's shit on my sofa. Listen, run. <laughs> the, the the operative I think phrase uh. in that entire question was, uh, we met in this public area and then went home and fooled around. So this was probably an anonymous or close to it hookup, uh, where uh, and a lot of those you know people who go to those places, it's a you know it's a A sex act not a crime of opportunity right Mm -hmm. Uh, and so they may be on their way from point a to point b or after work or whatever and they are not like freshly showered it's not like oh we're home well it's like let's mess around and you're going to present yourself to your partner in you know your best shape and so you know maybe and a lot of people go to those public sex environments men people uh, women don't go to public sex environments (laughs) for anonymous hookups uh you know, all they're going to do is like masturbate or have oral sex, but they're going to have their pants on the whole time. And they may not be thinking about the condition their ass crack is in because their ass crack isn't going to come into play. And I, by no means am I excusing Ugh. what this guy did to your sofa. Ah. I just don't think that, you know, if you're blowing strangers in parks and inviting them back to your house, that you have an entirely reasonable expectation of a perfect personal hygiene stuck dismount like you don't know what you're gonna get ass is like a box of chocolates when you go to the, the freaking uh, public sex environment and drag somebody home
3: yeah but don't hook up again like I wouldn't want oh my god like I don't care where you came from or what you did all night like wipe your ass <laughs>
2: He could have used your bathroom for a second. I mean, it's I need
3: to sit on a towel because I didn't wipe my ass all day. It was a really hard day at work. Like, that's what I'm going to start using on set. It's,
2: it's, <laughs> it's, it's too horrible to contemplate. But, but let's put ourselves into his issues. Like, he liked this guy enough to invite him back to his apartment. Uh-huh. Then this horrifying thing happened. And, you know, it's, it's just too easy as advice professionals, which is what you are now, along Ooh. with me. Uh, advice is opinion. Anybody can have one, so anybody can be an advice professional. It's just too easy to say, oh, you should never ever see this guy again. What if you really like this guy? What if you really clicked this guy? And this horrifying thing happened. Like, the the, the the What matters is how the guy reacted in the moment. Was he mortified? Did he beg your forgiveness? Did he buy you a new couch? Did he like swear up and down that this had never happened again and give you ten references to previous sex partners and boyfriends who can vouch for the fact that he's not a couch skitter <laughs> generally and he wasn't sort of a secret scatophile who was inflicting his like desire for poopy ass crack Rorschach blot imprints on you without your consent
3: I mean I guess if you like him you'll try it again but I two poops is no (laughs) (laughs) like poop on my couch once shame on you
2: two skids you're out (laughs) two
3: skids you're out I think is a good rule to play by because if he's hot you're totally gonna hook up with him you probably already have again
2: yeah, it's been a, it's been a couple days. Yeah,
3: you've probably already, but, you know.
2: But, I, God, if I had to clean some stranger's shit up on my couch, do I don't it. think I could ever see that person again. That, like,
3: oversteps for me. Like, there are certain hygiene things that you're like, all right, maybe next time I see you.
2: Your junk won't smell like that.
3: Right, and I'll just cry about it until you come back. But I don't want to have to, like, sit down on my couch to watch, like, Oprah and then look at the poop stain and, like, remember our, like, tryst because of that.
2: Oh, my God. It is really sad. It's
3: gross. I'm sorry. It's just too gross for me.
2: But, you know, human beings are... Well, we're gross. Well, you know, we you know, we eat and fuck and shit. That's all we yeah, really do. Yeah, that's fine. But and you have to
3: acknowledge it.
2: Sometimes, you know, we're, we, we're not... Perfectly clean everywhere no. when a sex opportunity presents itself. But if you've been brought back to somebody's house and you think you might not be fresh, all you need is like a moment in the bathroom and some do watered we? up damp paper, or toilet paper to Just whatever. Self-correct.
3: Just sit in the bathtub. Take a bath. I- do what you gotta do. I- I'm amazed <laughs> that you didn't
2: smell it. If you were down there and his ass crack was all German Scheiß video. Well, and
3: wait for when you actually do have sex. What is he gonna do?
2: well now I think he has to hook up with him again just so he can call just us back us. and tell yeah, us. Yeah, tell us what happened. Yeah, we want to know what happens next time. He'll oh come God. in, you know, you'll excuse yourself for a moment, you'll come in and he'll be writing on the wall with a turd like a three year old oh like a toddler through a crow. Uh, Well good luck with I guess we we're all over the map on that one. Yeah. Although I have to say, you know, it's it's a podcast you can't see. Uh, Lucy right now, but her arms are folded over <laughs> her chest, and she's rocking back and forth <laughs> in the chair. She's so trumpet. <laughs> you look like that poor guy who couldn't get it up whose girlfriend <laughs> yeah. has a funeral for his dick. I've tick.
3: been victim pose. <laughs> like, help me, help me. Hi, Dan.
4: I'm 21 years old. Female. Just came out as bisexual, like, two days ago. Woo! Um, I have a question about etiquette in a non-monogamous relationship. I've been dating this guy for about nine months now. It is my first relationship, also my first BDSM relationship. He is about 12 years older than me, went through a long period of serial monogamy, and I'm really his first non-monogamous relationship. Um, I've had some problems with him a few months ago. Um, He told me that he doesn't have any intentions to tell people that He's dating who he would, you know, be considering for a long-term relationship. That I exist because he doesn't want to. He thinks that bringing that up would ruin his chances if a woman wasn't into um, non-monogamy. If he brought it up right away, And we got over that. We discussed it. I decided to stay with him, and I understand that it was partially because of the kinky stuff. Because I don't exactly live in a big city, and there aren't a lot of options, especially for people who are willing to dominate me. And even though I am a switch, I don't want to be do- I don't want to be the dominant one all the time. Anyway, um this weekend he had a friend come in from out of town and I knew that they were gonna sleep together. I was perfectly fine with it. I gave him the go ahead. Um, I called him tonight to set up, you know, like a date or an evening for us, and he told me that this woman was HIV positive and they used condoms, but they only had anal sex, and I understand that the risk is low, but he did say I wasn't sure I was going to tell you or if I had to tell you, and I don't know. That just kind of raised a red flag for me. And I do have friends who have been who have been polyamorous for years, and they've told me like, you know, you should you should probably move on because he doesn't sound like he knows what he wants, or he sounds like he does know what he wants, what he wants, but he's not going through. Respect you, he'll completely throw you under the bus to get to it. And I, I thought it through, and it wasn't so much that he slept with someone who was who was positive, as I called him about something completely unrelated. And she left a couple of she left town a couple of days ago, and that's when he told me, and he told me over the phone during a conversation that I initiated. And it's just, and he did say, you know, you don't have to sleep with me until I get tested again. But it's it's just the fact that. He considered not telling me at all, and then he only told me when I called him. So, should I just, should I just wrap this up? Should I explain to him that's not how you you do non-monogamy? You don't, you know, consider not telling your regular sexual partner that you suck with someone who has something you could possibly transmit to them? And also the whole For all I know, the woman that he slept with and who he said he might start dating um, doesn't even know that I exist because he doesn't like telling people that I exist.
2: Listen to your friends. Listen to your friends who know something about non-monogamy. This is is bullshit. Um, From the not telling other women about you to the assuming uh, a degree of, a small degree of risk. You know, if he used condoms, if it was just anal, uh, just anal, and he used condoms, you know, the odds of him acquiring HIV from a partner, a female partner that way, are vanishingly small. But they do exist. And one of the things that makes an open relationship go is honesty, disclosure, trust, mm-hmm. checking in with each other, mutual consent to other partners, uh, uh, and the risks that other partners may present. Uh, whether you're talking disease risks or social risks or emotionally, you know, other sexual contexts feel emotionally risky. All that has to be Disclosed and discussed. And if he's lying to you, really on every front, uh, and about things as important as disease, HIV, what else is he lying to you about? Uh, Is he lying to you about whether they used condoms? Is he lying to you about exactly how risky the circumstance was uh, under which he had sex with this woman? I'd say the odds of that are a lot higher than the odds that he acquired HIV under the circumstances Mm -hmm. that he claims uh, to be boning this woman. And I would encourage you to... Listen to your fucking friends This guy's a piece of shit uh, And this guy is a lying douchebag And you should uh, get away from him And don't do that, you're 23, you're just out You're bi, you're kinky Um, Those are real assets There's a hundred kinky men for every kinky girl Every naturally kinky woman out there Naturally, I'm gonna get killed for that There's a (laughs) hundred kinky men for every kinky uh, woman And you can really, when you're a kinky woman Kind of write your own ticket You really can have your choice of the dude's You're only 23, you don't say whether you're in college or what you're doing uh, in the place where you're living, where you don't have a lot of options, Um, but I would encourage you to fucking move then. You know, if this is really important to you, kink and your sexuality and your sexual identity and being able to explore it, the bigger the city, the more kinky guys you're going to have to choose from. So get your ass to a Chicago or a San Francisco or a Portland or a New York or a Miami or an Atlanta uh, from whatever little tiny bullshit town you're in now where this is asshole is has convinced you that it's him or nothing i don't even believe that i do want to say though oh my god but i'm afraid you're gonna punch me in the head when i say this Lucy. May? you may well you can punch me in the head.
6: <laughs> in his
2: defense a lot of guys in open relationships uh feel the way he does about disclosure that it's really easy to find a dude who'll fuck a woman no string yeah. it's attached but uh, for a lot of women that's a really high bar to clear that you know you're involved with somebody else you have another girlfriend um, a lot of women don't want to involve themselves with guys who are in open relationships they're perceived as kind of sleazy which is hilarious uh, flip side of like the slut shaming that goes on you know a girl in college who sleeps with a million guys is a slut and nobody wants to date her. Uh, whereas you know a guy who sleeps with a lot of women in college is a stud and everybody admires, right. and then when you get in long-term relationships and a little older in life, uh, the guy who's in the open relationship who wants to fuck a lot of girls is regarded as kind of a sleaze bag. Mm-hmm. Whereas the woman in the open relationship who wants to fuck a lot of guys is kind of a hot commodity. So you know him waiting to disclose that fact that he's in an open relationship. Uh, a lot of guys out there in open relationships take a similar tack; they disclose before any contact. But they wait, like, a little tiny bit. They don't romance, they don't woo, they don't date, mm. dishonestly, but they let somebody get to know them a little bit, uh, whether it's one date or one, like, hanging out, unofficial date, uh, so that the you know woman can see he's not, like, a sex pervert or a monster or an asshole before he says, well, I'm an open relationship, and it's fine with my partner. I think any woman out there who hears that needs to say, okay, great. I'd like to meet your partner. Yeah. I'd like to talk to her on the phone for a second so I know that you're not... Lying to well, me, and I
3: get that. I just don't like when she says he doesn't even acknowledge my existence, like that to me. So it's like, does he admit that he knows you? <laughs> like, does <laughs>
2: he pass you on the street? Like, oh my god! Lying. Don't
3: look at her! Run! Like that's what bothers me. I understand it might be harder for in the guys long in open run. relationships. Yeah,
2: and a lot of those guys, you know, Which I
3: don't like that though either. I just, I don't know. Well, um, you know, I
2: don't. I, you don't like open relationships?
3: No, I don't like having to sort of white lie at yeah. first. That's what I don't like. No, it's not. But,
2: but the white lie, I, I didn't. I don't approve either. You know, I'm an open relationship, or monogamish. Kind of like to say open relationship. Mm-hmm. And it just, it goes by honesty, and it goes. Mm-hmm. That, that's the gas that makes it go. But I hear from, you know, guys who negotiated, you know, initiated uh, a conversation about, uh, you know, non-monogamy or monogamish, I me and a slightly mm-hmm. open relationship, and it was very fraught, and... They finally like came to a place where you know, as a couple, they felt really safe doing it, and she didn't hadn't reconciled herself to it, but was kind of excited about it, and yeah. you know, her her horizons had expanded sexually. <laughs> and even though the guys, who, the one who initiated this conversation, ultimately the opening of the relationship, he's not getting to have sex with anybody else, and she's fucking a million guys <laughs> because it's easy for her, <laughs> yeah, because guys are pigs, you, yep. and it's harder for him because women are a little more, rightfully so hesitant Mm -hmm. reticent uh just on the you know sexual violence front and guys are lying testosterone soaked douchebag front like a woman is gonna require a little more vetting than a dude is gonna require and so that a guy in an open relationship wants to like roll that detail out with a little more finesse a little more slowly than a girl might feel comfortable rolling that detail out i can understand that i get that but this isn't a situation where i think that that's issue
3: I think he's lying to everyone about everything <laughs> like he just doesn't seem <laughs> like a good guy run 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 away
2: and listen to your fucking friends like why are you calling me if all your friends some of you <laughs> are successful in relationships are telling you oh this guy's a piece of shit Go. And you're 23. You'll get laid again. There are a million kinky guys out there who are dying to meet you. Well, are and you...
3: girls. She's bisexual. Oh, right. And
2: girls. Oh, my God. I'm going to get called biphobic for that. Holy crap. Yeah, because they're always calling me biphobic. Oh. Do you think
3: I'm biphobic? No. Thank you. You're welcome. Some people do. I'm shocked.
2: Yeah. You know, I'm only biphobic of bisexuals who claim I'm biphobic.
8: <laughs> so I'm,
2: I'm scared <laughs> of those We need to come people. up with a term for
8: that. <laughs> hey, Dan. Um... I wasn't really sure if you would be able to answer this question, but I thought maybe some of your listeners would have some would have some advice for me. Um, a buddy of mine is getting married, and I'm in the wedding party, so I'm part of the bachelor party planning people. So we live in a remote part of Missouri and we found that getting a stripper carted to our small town uh, would cost over twice as much as the budget of the party because we're all poor college students, so we don't have a whole lot to throw around. Um, So we just thought we were going to have a party without a stripper, not a big deal, but recently we actually had a friend of a friend say that she has been wanting to get into stripping, and would be willing to strip for us for, obviously, a much cheaper price. So my question and my concern is that, obviously, she hasn't done this before, and us being fairly young, uh, I'm honestly pretty sure that not a lot of us have been stripped for before. So I guess my question would be, what is the proper etiquette when you have a private stripper like are we supposed to actively cheer and yell are we supposed to sit there and stoically watch her take off her clothes for money I don't really know Um, basically I'm just wanting to facilitate her trying out her interests and you know not scare her away or terrify her from this is a job or whatever i don't know
2: i think the proper etiquette when you uh, are in a strip club at least the strip clubs i've gone to where i've observed straight men watching a stripper is that you know cheer scream yell whatever i think the the, the crucial thing is to just die a little inside
6: because that seems to be what's
2: going on often in those places because a lot of them seem to be driven by shame and self-loathing Uh, before I get to your, you know, before we get to an answer, I want to wish congratulations to Will and Ashley, who I ran into here at the Peabody Hotel in Memphis, who (laughs) got married. And we walked into the teeth of a wedding here yesterday when we checked in. Oh my god. There was like some big, mega, everybody in two weddings. weddings. Two weddings? I think there were two. Oh my god, straight people flaunting it, shoving it down (laughs) everyone's throats. (laughs) Now we know who that that guy, the groom, I, I ran into the groom on the elevator. I know what he sticks his dick in. <laughs> right? Because yeah. he made a big public fuss out of his wedding. So I knew he was rubbing my nose and shaking it down <laughs> my throat that he's straight.
3: Well, God bless him.
2: That's a callback to, of course, Bent from earlier. Yes. Bent by dude. is like, oh, nobody needs to know. Well, people will infer. Well, straight people will you're... S-
3: sing from the rooftop.
2: <laughs> they have big parties where everybody looks and goes, that's what he sticks his dick in. Oh, the one God. in the white dress.
3: That's what I'm going to call mine. Stick your dick in at party, for
2: my <laughs> wedding. Great. Uh, so, but congratulations to Will and Ashley, who weren't the bride and groom at yes. the vulgar wedding parties here at the Peabody Hotel, but I ran into them in the lobby, and uh, they told me that um, they credit me, uh, they follow my advice in all things sexually, and it's uh, made their relationship the hmm. Awesome.
3: I'll have to talk to you next time I have a boyfriend then, I guess. <laughs> I, I, will,
2: I will help you next time you have a boyfriend. But to, but to this question, it's really good that you're Lucy because before you took this gig, you were a stripper.
3: Right, when I was 12, I started stripping to finance my Hot Topic bracelet collection. Um, <laughs> it was a hard life. <laughs>
2: it's a hard knock life for you.
3: And now, ten years later You do my,
2: not ten years later, you wash my underwear out in your sink, my mm-hmm. delicate frilly underthings. I'm so.
3: growing as a woman every day.
2: <laughs> well, you really don't start to grow as a woman until a gay guy hands you a bag of his sturdy underwear <laughs> in a hallway in a hotel. Um Listen. No skid marks though, right? Correct. Thank you. I can vouch for that. Ew. Did you really, I smell them did you really and dig I open through
3: them? My, oh no. I saw them online, guys.
2: I think this is a bad idea, having a stripper who's a friend of a friend. Because one of the things strippers, I think, require is a little distance between them and the clients, emotionally, socially, physically often. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and honestly, Lucy has never stripped. True. Lucy showers in a cardigan. <laughs> and I have never stripped. But I am sure, I am certain that there are strippers out there listening to the Savage Lovecast, and we're going to invite them to call Ooh. in and share their perspectives on how the audience, how the clientele should comport themselves during a session, during a you know a private thing, uh, you know a bachelor party mm-hmm. versus a club. Like what works for you? I'm sure. You know, I think from the strippers I've known. They like some response. I don't want you to sit there looking like...
3: Oh, well, yeah. You want to feel like a rock star. I feel like if you just eyeball someone, it's a little serial killer-esque. Yeah. And you're like, oh, no, I'm going to end up in the trunk of a car. He's
2: going to be wearing my skin.
3: Yeah, already you sound nervous, and this already sounds like an awkward eighth grade dance. Like, she's going <laughs> to unbutton one button and start crying, and then <laughs> you guys are just going to be, like, sweaty palmed. I feel like...
2: You I might have know. to go stripper free. If there isn't a yeah. stripper for a thousand miles in any direction from the shitty little town this wedding's in in Missouri, you might just have to like go with a stag film. Mm-hmm. As or they call me. Say. Or call Lucy, because uh, <laughs> they got a lot of new, more bracelets out of Hot Topic <laughs> this week, and Lucy wants to buy them up. Thank you so much for sitting in.
3: Thank you. You made
2: it so much more fun. Lucy, who does my laundry, Ooh. buys me food make sure I eat and doesn't fuck me. So if she's my wife. <laughs> at least while we're out here filming this. 206-201-2720 is the number here at the podcast. If you'd like to record a question or call for a future show, please do. And strippers are particularly welcome to call. In addition to sending our congratulations out to Will and Ashley, we will also want to send our congratulations out to Alice Dreger, who's a frequent guest here on the podcast and in the column uh, and a really good friend now. Uh, she was named one of... The Utney Readers 2011 visionaries for her work with people born with ambiguous genitalia or with intersex conditions you should go to Utney.com and uh, look up Alice and read about uh, her work and what she does and it's wonderful to see her being recognized for the really important work that she does congratulations Alice congratulations Will and Ashley congratulations Lucy
3: you got through (laughs) it
2: and I didn't take it easy on you we had like kink and shit that was fun I liked it will you join us again hopefully yes Thank you, Lucy, and thank all of you. And uh, one more time, that phone number, 206-201-2720. Me and the tech savvy at-risk youth. will be back at you next week. Another installment of Savage Lovecast. Thanks for downloading.